Yes, hello and welcome to The Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finchpenger and I am joined today by Pat Shaw of Avanti Ice Away Sports and Shannon Malseed of the Holden Women's Cycling Team. And they've been kind enough to join me to talk about um, local Aussie cycling and the upcoming Sam Miranda Tour of King Valley. Um, hello to you both. Hey, Pat. Hey, guy, mate. Hey, good to have you back after after last week. You did a you did a good job there. And uh, Shannon, good to have you. First first time on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on, Shannon. We um haven't heard much of you since you went away to Europe and then America. How was that experience um overseas? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was a long time away from um, Australia, but I went over to Europe with the Australian National Development Team and then decided I wanted to keep racing, so um, I extended the, the trip and went over to America and experienced some different racing over there, so really good experience. Um, I'm glad to be back, ready to do some good training. <laughs> and... Um... The podcast listeners won't be able to see this, but you've got your Oceania's jersey on on your wall. In the oh, can you see and, that? Yeah. 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 So obviously, um, a lot of good results for you this season. What was what was the standout race of your overseas um, overseas trip for you? I mean, you took um, second in one of the Camises and um, won won one of the other ones, didn't you? Um, probably the most memorable moments was um when Rach Nalen got a victory in in one of the races in France and that actually qualified her um, some points for the for the Olympic selection and was maybe the reason why she got selected and um, likewise with Lauren Kitchen um, getting a few points for Australia so uh, the coolest thing about that was that we we helped in the process of getting Australia four spots for the Olympics so I think that's pretty cool um, that's probably the most memorable thing and in one of those races I was um I was in a solo breakaway right at the end of the race in with like a kilometer to go I got caught and it was a UCI 1.1 race and I just thought that was pretty awesome to be almost almost a winner of a UCI race but yeah didn't get the bacon but uh Rach ended up winning that race so it was pretty cool yeah, and getting chased down by some of the best riders in the world must be a special feeling in some ways, even if you if you don't win, they're like a bittersweet sort of feeling. Yeah, it was almost like I was actually scared, like scared to win because I was like, what does this mean if I actually, if I win this race, I'm pretty crazy. So um, <laughs> I was actually shitting myself when I was out the front there, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, how how has your life changed since you won Oceania's? I mean, do you find that people um, know your name more and recognise your achievements and give you, I don't know, maybe a bit more respect? Um, it's probably just like being in the peloton with with a different coloured jersey to the rest of my team. A few people sort of ask ask what it means, and then when I tell them, they they seem impressed. So, um, I think respect respecting the bunch comes from from racing and and being a respectable rider, so it's it's not always about what colour jersey you're wearing, but um it certainly does help when people notice that you're a champion of something. Um, but yeah, for me, like personally, I don't think it hasn't changed like the out my own outlook on myself. But yeah, maybe for some people, wearing that jersey makes me look different somehow. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, Pat, you often talk about respect in the bunch and how you have to earn it by racing with the guys for a while. And um, you find, I remember you talking about the difference between racing at the Tour Down Under with World Tour riders where you're the small kids on the block versus the NRS where um, Avanti bossed the peloton essentially. Yeah, of course, obviously different levels, uh, different leaders, you know, and, and like Shannon put, you sort of earn your respect from um, time spent in the peloton and also by getting results. But I thought Shannon's win at the Oceanas was one of the starting points for her. Um, I was there that day and it was difficult conditions. And although there wasn't a mass field, it was a great result. And I think that she probably earned a lot of respect from that already, but probably more from the Oceana community. But uh, more time in European peloton should definitely earn more respect there also. Um, it's always a difficult thing, but once you get that respect, it sort of sticks around uh, regardless of how long um, you're you're around. People will still respect you, sometimes a little less because they're going a bit better than you, but uh, generally that, that respect, um, it, it's, it's imperative if you're going to do well in the bigger races. Mm. And um, briefly on your uh, on your time in America, Shannon, um, I, I didn't catch which team you rode for. You seem to be bouncing around between a bunch of different teams, but um, how, how was that experience? Uh, so basically what happened is um, I I was looked after really well by Colavita Bianchi. I couldn't be rostered onto their UCI squad uh, because they didn't have enough spots to allow me to actually raced with them so what happened was I, I stayed with them and I traveled with them and um, they supported me with a bike and and sponsorship sort of stuff and then I was um, I was put into different teams for all the different races that I was at and that was quite challenging because you know you just get to know one team at the end of the tour or at the end of the race and then you go away and you meet a like you meet another team and and they've all got their own like friendships inside the team and that sort of thing and you know every week I was jumping into a new team and a new group of people which was really cool because I got to meet like a lot of different people but it was also really challenging because I couldn't find um, like I didn't get really strong relationships like I like you usually would when you're traveling for a long time with people but um yeah, so I wasn't really tied down to a team as such, but definitely got looked after really well by, by Cola Vida. And with the other Aussies over there, Loretta Hansen and Kimberly Wells, that must have been, you know, a bit of an Aussie tie at least. Yeah, so I, I um I stayed in the same area as those girls when when we had a bit of downtime and there was a whole bunch of Aussies over there, um, especially women. There was about ten of us staying around the same area, so it was really cool to see that um, our female peloton in Australia is sort of reaching out and going overseas and doing it on their own because, you know, un unfortunately there's not as much racing in Australia. So they've um, taken initiative and gone and tried to see what they can do overseas, which is really cool to see. Yeah, well, great. It sounds like something you're going to be doing more of maybe next season. We'll We'll be following with um, with bated breath. Okay, well, we'll take a, a short break and then we'll, we'll come back with the Lakes Oil Fulton Hogan tour of this great south coast. Okay, and we are back with the tour of the great south coast. I'll skip the sponsors this time. They do a great job supporting the tours, but it's a bit of a mouthful, unfortunately. Um, Pat. You had a great tour down there, Th third overall, um, third on that, um, no, fourth on 
was it fourth on that second stage, which ended up being the decisive GC stage? Oh, I think I was fifth, actually. Uh, ben Hill finished fourth. He hit me on the line. But, yeah, it was a really hard tour. Um, we always knew that the weather was going to play a big role and it always blows wind um, in that area of uh, Victoria and South Australia. But also, man, Gambia, I haven't raced there in the dry at any point in my career. So uh, we knew it was going to be pretty uh, rough weather. Important to get a good, solid start in that first crit. So I got some time bonuses and... Uh, Wanted to put the team on the front foot, give them something to ride for, and in the afternoon the boys stepped up. Um, that stage two was always going to be crucial with the the weather predicted hailstones, very strong winds up to 60, 65 k's an hour, um, and an early group split off uh, with Robbie Hucker and um, Sam Chrome in that group, and we and everyone thought that was the race over. 16 guys were gone, and a lot of guys were going out to me going, "Oh, you're not just going to throw the jersey away, are you?" and well, plain and simply, we ride for, for our team, so if, as long as the guys were going to win, I was happy. But um, I did say to Pat Lane, I, I see those dark skies. If some hail drops, let's just lay it down for a bit and see what we can do. Um, and six of us split off the front. I was lucky enough to have Jason Lee there as a teammate as well, and uh, we rode across quite quickly. And then, yeah, the rest is history. It was a really tough day. Uh, we took eight minutes from the peloton. Yeah, and that sort of set the, set the uh, tone for the week. Um, but it certainly wasn't an easy venture from there down to Portland to finish the, the tour. But, um, yeah, Sam Crumb did a fantastic ride to, to finish in first. I was very happy with third after a big setback after Tour of Korea. Um, but also thought Ben Hill was fantastic again and always uh, do enjoy racing him, as tiresome as it is. Yeah, he doesn't mind in the tackle too, does he? Um, I'll just run through the, the stage results and we'll do a quick wrap-up of each stage. Um, stage one uh, was the Criterium, and uh, Jesse Kerrison won there in the sprint from Scott Sunderland, uh, who was racing with Inform, which was one of those amalgamated teams, but he races with Illuminated Estates these days. And it was you in third there. Um, there were also a bunch of battles for the time bonuses, so yourself and Ben Hill in particular took quite a bit of time there on, the, on that stage. Yeah, well, in those John Craven uh, sprint every two laps uh, style racing, you need to be involved in that, and Ben Hill knows that, I know that. Uh, that's why we've both been so successful in that sort of style of racing. But um, I just mistimed that finish a little bit and end up leading out uh, Jesse and uh, Scott in the end, really. Uh, went a bit early, but not quick enough. Didn't catch them off by surprise enough, and uh, so they got an easy one too. They're, um, they're definitely the quickest by far there last week. Uh, yep, and stage two was the decisive one for the GC, and as you, you pretty much described the stage, that, that hail looked absolutely awful, though. I mean, I can't imagine that it would have been... I mean, it would have, I would have just topped off the bike and into the nearest car, because that, that sort of stuff hitting you at that sort of velocity wouldn't have been awful. Um, so in the end, it was a, a Sam Cram from Avanti Iceway Sports who took the win there. Uh, Ryan Kavanagh in second. He, he had a bad crash in um, one of the later stages and had to out of the race, unfortunately. Um, and Nathan Elliott was third from Kenyan Riders Down Under, but he was riding with uh, Lake Oils for the um, for the race there. Um, yeah, it was, was it a surprise that that was the decisive stage, or just what, as soon as you saw the weather forecast, you knew that was going to be the case? Oh, I knew because a few years ago I actually raced and then made a front split, pretty similar, smaller group though, with Jack Haig and um, Sam Horgan won that edition. Um, and it was the same sort of weather. I knew it would split up. 
but I did think that first group of 16, that was the race. But, yeah, so I think uh, us joining the race in the end made it even better because, um, well, second and third overall in the tour came across in that second group of six, myself and Ben Hill. So I did expect it to be a decisive stage, but I also expected uh, the second last stage to be decisive. Mm. Um, well, we'll get to that. But um, before then, there were a bunch of uh, interesting stages in a sense because it was a different dynamic from the rest of the race. Uh, a lot of breaks were successful. So you had Alex Porter taking a win in stage three with uh, Cyrus Monk in second there and Terry Carpenter from um, Sassy as well, um, Alex Porter's from Sassy, and uh, James Fouche from Mobius Futures, I don't know how to say his last name, you, you'll correct me there, Pat, and, you know, Jake Klangeblatt from JML winning, so there were a bunch of those sort of, in, you know, um, transition stages where uh, lesser, lesser names, I mean, not to be too rude to them, but they're not, they're not the guys who typically win um, stages of NRS events, they, they managed to get up from breakaways. Yeah, well, for us, from our point of view, we didn't take a, a frontline sprinter. Sam Crome's pretty quick. Myself uh, can be good in those sprint finishes. Robbie Huck is also quick. But we didn't really have an electrifying guy that we could do an all-out lead-out for and win those stages. So it was a good opportunity to let some small teams have a crack. Um, we also expected that maybe some of the larger teams might ride because they had sprinters, but they chose not to. They chose to sit in the bunch, so that's their loss. Um, and their loss was Alex Porter's gain, Jake uh, Kladgenbat's uh, gain as well, um, and well done to those guys. I think the Jake stage, though, in particular, the break probably wouldn't have survived if the crash didn't happen. We sat up because of the safety of riders, and we knew that Ryan Kavanagh and Sam Crone, first and second on GC, had fallen, and it's the respectful thing to do to allow them time to come back, uh, which gave that break an excessive lead that in a 70k stage, which was 40 kilometres to go when we started riding, was just too much gap to uh, to close in. But still, well done to them. They raced um, really well to win that stage. But also, um, yeah, I wasn't feeling well for those two days in particular, so it was good to have some little light recovery days. I suppose having Scott Sunderland in the race as well, I mean, that would that would discourage a lot of teams from chasing, knowing that he's there in the sprint finish. Yeah, but I think Jesse Kerrison won the first stage, so maybe um, he could have been a bit more confident and packed himself in for those other two days. But you know, it's a difficult scenario. But, yeah, and we sort of, I just sort of concentrate on what we're doing, um, and it went perfect in the end. Um, we saved enough energy to ride out the tour and have two people on the podium is pretty significant. And stage six, which you um, talked about as perhaps being a very um, decisive stage, um, Nick Kurgisu from uh, the New Zealand rider from Mobius Futures uh, took the win there with the very impressive young New Zealander Robert Stannard, awesome for Mobius in second there. It was a very difficult stage, that one, and um, the crosswinds especially. Um, our guys did a lot of work to keep it together, but that finish was quite interesting. Um, it was very, It was a downhill finish really fast. Um, the two Mobius guys uh, hit out early, probably about 4.50 to go, and just no one saw them. Um, it was absolutely impossible to catch. I, I put out 1,350 watts behind uh, Scott Sunderland, never got off his rear tyre, and he couldn't catch them either. So, yeah, it was it was just one of those ones where it was a really fast finish. They timed it to perfection, and uh, one-two finish, fantastic for them. Yeah, and going into the final stage, I mean... It was still still a race on the line. I mean, there's still plenty of time uh, time bonuses left on the course. So 
when Ben Hill went went on the attack, you had to close that down pretty quickly. And that final, and it looked a pretty hilly criterium as well. I mean, it mustn't have been too easy to control. Uh, Robert Stannard took the win from uh, Scott Sunderland and Harry Carpenter there. So, yeah, I mean, describe that final stage. Yeah, look, it's always difficult. 11 sprints, 3-2-1, time bonuses for first, second, third in those 11 sprints. Uh, so, yeah, race is definitely on going into that final stage. A break went. We are happy with it, even though it did have a GC rider there in Angus Lyons. Uh, he ended up fourth on GC, just two seconds behind me. But you've got to run the risk, and that's all we had to do. We wanted to eliminate the time bonuses. Sam Cromer had a crash same day as Ryan Kavanagh. He'd hurt his knee. We were unsure how he would go sprinting uh, lap after lap with Ben Hill. We know Ben Hill's just going to keep going until he drops dead, so um, get a breakaway um, up the road to absorb those um, time bonuses, which they did. But then um, Ben Hill's podium position was also, um, for second place, was actually in, in the balance, and so then he decided to get, get aggressive in the race, which split the race quite quickly. Um, and I think it left about 15 or 20 of us uh, in the front. Um, and then Robbie Hucker and Jason Lee basically rode out the last four and a half laps of the race uh, in the two of them. Um, and that made us catch the leaders at about 200 metres from the finish. Um, Scott Sunderland, the only rider that could overcome um, breakaway riders to make podium. Um, once I saw that he would finish in the first three and no time bonuses on offer, um, I just rolled in, uh, as did Sam Crome and Ben Hill. Yeah, so overall it was Sam Crome who won won the race uh, by 11 seconds to Ben Hill, and then it was a further 8 seconds to yourself back in third there. Um, takeaways from the race, I mean, you're obviously pretty happy with, with that result, first and third, that's that's very good from, from any perspective. Um Are there any um, significant riders that you looked at at that tour and thought, yeah, they're going really well? Yeah, I was quite impressed by quite a few. Actually, uh, one that probably won't pop up on the radar was um, Harry Sweeney. I like what he's doing. Uh, he's going to go to Junior Worlds later this year. Hope, hopefully his progression continues, and I think that he'll have a lot to offer there. Um, he's excited me a bit as a rider. Um, other young riders, um, look, Cyrus Monk was aggressive um, and, and probably did deserve the sprint chairs in the end, but got beaten by... Uh, probably a smarter rider, I'd say. Probably not a fitter rider, but definitely a smarter rider for that classification. And outside of that, I'd say that as a, probably a surprising one because you don't mention him as a sort of rising star, but Scott Sunderland, the way he's climbing at the moment, is um, something quite impressive for a sprinter. Yeah, to be there at the end of that sixth stage, I was surprised that he was there, and um, I'm guessing some people in the bunch were as well because it was, wasn't a massive bunch that came into the finish there. Um, who else? Yeah, well, he was, climbing, he was climbing like top 25 in the race. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's going to be pretty hard to drop him then for, for, it, for the future, and it'll be interesting to see if that changes his riding style at all, the sort of stages he can win. Um, yeah, well, who else? I'll, I'll add some other names down. Uh, Robert Stannard and uh, James Fouche, the the Mobius youngsters. They'll be well. They'll presumably be be um, competing against Harry Sweeney in those um, junior races. Uh, they were both against him up at Oceania's, and uh, Sweeney won there. So, yeah, it should be a good battle between the Australians and the New Zealanders. Hopefully, um, we can see a bit more of them in the future. And um, who else? Tim Seller from Saddlest Verve. He had a good, he had a good yeah, time. Yeah, good ride, but probably he's rode really well in stage two, and that was it. He did not really 
impress out of that. That was a fantastic ride did on that particular day, but probably the rides even from the Sassy group as a team uh, was impressive during the week. And you mentioned Robert Stannard, obviously, but um, he's been on my radar for a long time, so I wasn't really surprised by his efforts. And last name I've got is Ryan Christensen, who is very much the king of the King of the Mountains jersey. He's won, I don't know, four of the last five or something in the NRS, and he's very much made that jersey his own. He, he always goes out and attacking for it, and I think people don't want to challenge him for it these days as much. Yeah, well, he picked the right stage. There was more points on offer in that one single stage than there was <laughs> for the whole tour, so if he did well in that stage, he was going to win it. And he also picked the right guys to go on the break with, with Cyrus Monk and... Uh, and uh, Harry Carpenter absolutely annihilating each other in every intermediate sprint. So he had no competition in the King of the Mountains classification. Um, he's still got to go out there and put the energy into winning the jersey. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see someone stand up and try and race him for the next one. Well, I remember he had a good battle with Chris Harper at the National Capital Tour, so hopefully something like that can happen again. Um, but, yeah, we'll move on to the Tour of King Valley now, and we'll come back after the break with that. Okay, and we are back. We're talking... We'll talk the women's first, because Shannon's been a bit quiet for a while there. Um, Shannon, the you weren't there last year at the court, at the at the um, Tour of King Valley, the Sam Miranda Tour of King Valley. Yeah, you, you, you must know about the race going into it. Um, what, do you, what do you think of the course, and um, what do you think of how the race is going to play out? I think it's really exciting that we get to um, get to do some hard, uh, hard climbs that are also uh, got a bit of gravel sections in there. Um, that's not really something that you usually get in, in Australia racing. Um, and when I, was, when I was in Europe, I really loved the, the cobbles. And um, I guess it's somewhat a little bit like that, although cobbles are a lot harder. But um, it excites me to be able to race, um, race some rough terrain and get, get dirty and muddy and whatever else and try and um, psych out other competitors with, um, with that sort of terrain. So, yeah. Well, with your cobbles experience, you're going to be able to say, oh, this is easy compared to what I had to do in Europe. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually think that it, it will be easy compared to that. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really tough over there, but it's also really awesome fun. And um, I can't wait till I get to do it again one day, but um, if I get to do it again one day. But, yeah, it's, I, I love the cobbles. <laughs> Okay, we'll go through the stages, and it's pretty much the same for the men and the women here. It's uh, a nine-kilometer individual time trial on the morning of the first day. Um, looks looks fairly fairly easy, but it's good to break. It's good to have it on the first day, I think, to break up the to break up the field a bit and give you um, some sort of differentiation on GC. Um, what what are your guys' opinions on the early time trial? Um, I think it's going to be good. It'll create time gaps, like you said, Jamie, and it'll make it a bit of a race. Like um, You're going to have natural raw time, so really no one should be on the exact same time. It'll be rare. Um, so that should make the time bonuses that are on offer, which are significant in the road stages and the criterion, worthwhile for many because uh, I suggest after a nine-kilometre time trial or thereabouts, the time gaps won't be large. So if you're quite good in the intermediate time bonuses, you'll move up the GC quite quickly. 
um, and it'll probably make for aggressive racing. So I'm always a fan of that. And Shannon, we often see the the real um, specialists in the time trial come to the fore in in the women's event. There, um, do you see it being any different this time around? I think that you'll see the same names up there in the top ten, but it's going to be interesting to see um, see if it changes around a little bit with only using road bikes. Um, that could change change the way people perform, depending on you know if they get aerodynamic enough or you know if they're in a comfortable enough position to ride a time trial on the on their road bike. I'm excited about it because I haven't touched my time trial bike since nationals, so I'm glad that we have road bikes. But um, yeah, I definitely think what Pat's saying about the the time bonuses as well in the in the road stages and the criterion like. The time trial is not going to separate enough, I don't think, to um, to make it GC set in stone. So it should be exciting to see um, who can bring back some time in the with the time bonuses. So, well, which is probably good for you guys because if the time trial was decisive, it would be a Kate Perry victory again, wouldn't it? Yeah, it seems like it's going that way this year. But yeah, she. Kate's been in really good form in the TTs and in the climbs, but um, I think she's definitely got some room for improvement in in the um, technical courses. So we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, stage two is on the same day as the as the morning time trial, and it's an afternoon quit in Wangaratta, Wangaratta CBD, uh, running the opposite direction to last year. So. Maybe that makes a difference. Probably not, but um, we'll see. I guess um, 39 kilometres and 30 laps of the 1.3 kilometre circuit. Um, Pat, you raced this last year. Um, what's it like? No, I didn't know the oh, end didn't. Uh, because I cut my hand open in and broke some ribs in uh, to a Great South Coast last year. So it was a late withdrawal. But oh, sorry, um, I, I do, but I do like a criterion. We know that, um, and the more technical, the better. Hopefully running it the opposite way might confuse you. <laughs> um, but now I'm looking forward to this one because obviously the time bonuses are on offer. I think as a team we're very, um, very good at those time bonus sprints and also the timing of lead outs, et cetera, for that. So uh, I think heading into the weekend, which looks like the weather is going to be pretty atrocious, hopefully we've got some solid options on GC heading into what could be a really messy weekend. And speaking of messy, um, oh well, 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 we'll talk about the the women's approach to it as well. Um, Shannon, the the quit, who who looks likely in that one? I mean, we've got Beck Wyzak. Um, you know, she was building up for the Olympics, unfortunately didn't make it there, so she should be, you know, hitting almost peak form, you'd say. Yeah, I definitely think Beck is um, a real threat in this tour as an overall. She's, I believe, she's won the tour before. So she's definitely one to watch. She'll be hard to beat in the in the sprints. To be honest, it's like <laughs> it's been a while since I've raced the NRS, so I don't know who's um, who's on form and and who's improved their sprint. Uh, hopefully, we've got a good sprinter in in Laurelie Moss out there for Holden. Um, so yeah, we'll see we'll see how many time bonuses we can mop up and see what we can do with GC in the crit. Hopefully, we can get up there a bit. Yeah, and um, well, it'll be important for setting the scene for the what what is very much the iconic stage of the race, um, the Strade Nero, Nero stage or the white the white roads, I believe it it translates roughly to. 
they do this strata near a climb and then you descend into Whitfield and turn right into Chesham and they've added a little bit of um, dirt parvey there from last year and that will take them back to Wangaratta again. It should be should be very interesting to follow again. I mean, obviously you need a bit of luck in this sort of in this sort of stage and it's probably about, as much about having um, playing the team tactics and having options in this sort of stage. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you're going to have punches, probably. You're going to have mishaps, going to have mechanicals. It's going to happen. Strata Nero, though, Jamie, is Strata Black Road, actually. Um, okay, Strata Bianca. That's all right. No, that's all right. <laughs> it's a bit of Italian coming out for me. Nero meaning black. Um, it's going to be really interesting, and they've added the two extra sectors this year for the men's event. Um, seemingly, everyone will fear it. Uh, but don't worry, Dominic Gap and Ryan's Gap are both uh, very tough climbs as well, which will be involved in this tour. So it's not just going to be one on the dirt, but the dirt does add an aspect to the tour that no other tour does. So that's what makes uh, Tour of King Valley different. Um, it makes it a bit original, especially in Australia. And I think it makes an exciting event. And what sort of rider are we looking for in that stage? I mean, it, we've seen in the, in... European races like Strata Bianchi and the Cobbles races that it really it's a really different sort of rider who wins it and you know guys like Matt Heyman have a chance of winning where they wouldn't you know normally win a stage the rest of the year. So who does that um, favour in this sort of race in the NRS? I really don't have the answer because I think that a heavy set a more heavy set rider should really go through the dirt better, but doesn't necessarily mean that type of rider at NRS level is well experienced in handling their bike. So I think it's a mixture of both. You need someone that's got a little bit of weight in the in in their body, but also can handle the bike. And I don't see anyone staying away solo to win this stage. So probably needs a bit of a punchy sprint as well. Okay. And in the women's, it will be be very interesting one there. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure who the contenders will be from from this group of riders. Um, what what do you think, Shannon? Look, I think on the climbs you're going to see the same, the same sort of riders like your Kate Perry's, and um, there's a few new new girls on the block like Lucy Kennedy and Leeson Hawkins who are showing some good climbing form. Um, and then it's just whether you know if, if little breaks and splits form um, on the on the climbs, it's whether or not they'll be able to work together well to stay away to the finish and and have a little sprint at the end. To be honest, it could go either way. I don't. I, you can never predict these sort of these sort of races. So um, I'm excited to see what will happen on that stage. Yeah, um, Aaron Keneally won the stage last year from George Baker, who won the bunch sprint. Um, she's not on the start list this year, from what I from what I've seen. But have you got any picks? I, I'll, I'm just having a look at the start list now and seeing if I can. I can pick out anyone who I thought think might be able to win this sort of race. Um, I know Ruth Corset; she's always good in pretty much every condition, isn't she? And she's got experience <laughs> over every surface. Um, yeah, I think Erin at the moment she she's over in Europe racing with a with a team over there. She did a few races actually with the Australian development team, so she's going really well um, too and developing as a rider, which is good to see. Um, yeah, I think Ruth's always always one to watch, no matter what type of race it is, no matter where it is. She's always on form, so definitely a strong rider. I think the the rider who's going to win is going to have to have a lot of team support, 
on on all of the days. So um, yeah, I think the best the best team out there will um will be able to deliver the best rider to the finish. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the, thinking about it now, Ruth told me she was going for the Iron Woman, the World Iron Woman event, um, midway through the year. So I don't know what where her form's going to be. I mean, she's always pretty good, obviously. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll she's on always to... on form. Yeah, we'll move on to the fourth stage now, and that's the um, the Ryan Tamnick's loop. Uh, it's 100 k's for both the men and the women there, and it's a bit of a new circuit. That that Tamnick climb looks pretty hard. Um, Pat, eight percent for about 1.2 k's there. Yeah, it's, I think it's a bit overrated on the length of the climb just because it's actually, to the lead up to the climb, it's quite, it's actually sort of like a false flat, if not a little bit more than that, maybe 2% leading into it. It's a difficult climb, there's no doubt about that. It will split up, people will get dropped. It'll depend on the aggressive racing over the other side between it and um, um, and the next lap around and, and the difference between the climbs because if it goes negative racing, which I probably suggest it will, um, GC will nearly be set um, at that point, so it'll only be very um, small differences that will change the race the race mode for teams. You know, if they think they can gain a few positions on GC, maybe they'll ride. If they can't get a significant gain, then it might actually come down to a bunch kick. Yeah, and in the women, it'll be actually interesting because of the dynamics of the teams there. I mean, you've got so you've got High Five, which are absolutely jam-packed full of climbers there, um, apart with the probable exception of Beck Wysak. Um, do you think they'll look to maybe um, save their power a bit and then really try and split it up up those climbs? It really depends on GC at that point, whether or not they're protecting someone like Beck or whether they're going to be um, trying to get time uh, to to win the tour, I think that no matter what that that, that climb Tamnik gap is going to be hard, and like Pat said, people are going to get dropped. But depending on GC on the on the final day, um, will decide how people ride um, after the climb, and then yeah, and then what happens at the finish. So it's hard to say, but it's definitely going to be one of the deciding days, even though it's the last day. Um, yeah, the tour won't be over until until it's over, I think, this weekend. And are uh, you looking forward to getting back to NRS racing now that you um, finish your overseas jaunts for the moment? Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing my team again, to be honest. I haven't, I haven't seen them in a while, so I'm looking forward to catching up with the girls and having a bit of fun out there racing again. So it should be good. Okay, good. And in the men's, have we got a prediction for the winner, Pat? Uh, winner. Well, who do I pick for my team? Um, no, I, I'm, I'll, I'll make a prediction because uh, I think it's a very open race, um, and I'm hoping that maybe I'm hoping a non-time trialist will win, but I'm thinking that someone who can time trial and climb probably will win. Um, so so you can take. Yeah, I hope the Joe can uh, have a good result. Maybe Robbie Hacker. Um, maybe Chris Hamilton. There's a few names. They're non-biased um, bids for me. <laughs> um, but don't worry, we'll be racing an aggressive race. And I think that the, both the women's and the men's will be interesting race to watch. I know last year, sitting at home, even though I had my broken ribs, 
I quite enjoyed the updates, knowing that you know there was punches on the dirt and there was crashes and there was all sorts of things that there was. Uh, I think in the ladies last year there was a little bit of controversy. The team helped her, helped the girl win that won the tour, and then she was relegated. Is that correct? Yeah, she, she took a time penalty, I think, for memory. And oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, lost, um, lost the tour on that. Yeah. Yeah, lost the tour. Yeah, but I thought, uh, yeah, she was from mine. She still sort of won the tour. That I think she must have ridden really well. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to the tour. Um, yeah, good luck to Shan. Um, I hope she does really well. It should be a great weekend, even though the weather is going to be absolutely appalling once again. Yeah, I'll check <laughs> a few other names in there. You've got Jason Christie, your old teammate. He's he's back in town with Kenyan Riders. Uh, Nathan Elliott with Kenyan Riders as well. He's on top form. Uh, Jesse Feetonby, he's an interesting one, the uh, triathlete, and he now looks to switch over to road cycling, so he'll be a good one to watch. Uh, Chris Harper, Ben Hill, Reese Gillett, yeah, Matt, Matt Ross. I'll, I'll keep on... I could keep on naming names for a while, but that, that'll do. I think you're going well until the end there. I don't think Reese Gillard, I don't think he'll be a starter. He had an injury last week. Oh, okay. Um, he was on the, and, on the list, but yeah. And Matt Ross, I reckon, is a little bit too light for the dirt, but we'll see. I've been very impressed with how he's gone so far. I mean, uh, as you say, he's a he's a light lightweight guy, but he's he's got got a fair bit of power in him. So yeah, Chris Harper's definitely on my radar, and so Ben Hill. Yep, and. Shannon, any any quick picks from you? Like I said, it's been a while since I've raced NRS, um, but yeah, definitely Kate Perry. She'll she'll do well in the time trial. She'll do well on the climbs. Same with Ruth. Um, I think that Kendall Hodges will be interesting. She's a very smart rider, and and she's been over in America racing, and she she showed some good form over there. Even though she's not a climber, I think that. She'll definitely be out to get some time bonuses and um, whether or not she'll be riding for someone like Beck as well who could do well in the time trial and then also in the time bonuses. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing who from my team is on form and having to talk to having to talk to the girls about um, about who we can go for. But I, don't, I think after the time trial it will be a bit clearer. So, um, yeah, sorry I don't have a definitive answer. <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got Leeson Hawkins on your team, who's a very interesting rider coming in um, late to the sport from hockey, um, isn't isn't that right? And you, one of the riders you managed to beat for the Oceana Championships um, when she wasn't riding on your team. What what's what's her yeah. story? And how, how's she coming in? Um, Leeson's a really cool chick. I haven't had much time with her, but um, I did say to her at the Oceania Championship. Um, you know, once you once you get a bit of experience and a bit more racing, you're going to be unstoppable because she's just so strong. And um, yeah, on that day, really, all that was um, stopping her was was the lack of experience. But um, I think she definitely could have creamed me over over some of the final climbs in that race if if she had known that I had a little bit of a sprint at the end, she would have got rid of me. But um. <laughs> Yeah, fortunately, she didn't know yet. But racing with her is going to be really fun, I think. Um, yeah, hoping to find out a little bit more about her and the way she rides and stuff like that. She did really well at um, Tour of Bright last year too, so she's a good climber and I assume she's a good TTer as well because they usually go hand in hand, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, she did a pretty good job at Mersey, Mersey Valley Tour on the TT, so... 
we would be surprised to not see her um, up near the top on, on from the start, and yeah, we'll see how she goes from there. Okay, well, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and finish it up. Okay, we're back, and we'll just catch up on a few results that have caught our attention from overseas. Um, the youngsters in the World Tour Academy, the Jayco World Tour Academy team, um, under the tutelage of James Victor over there, they've done very well recently. Uh, they won two of the Italian one-day races, and it was Michael Storer who won the first one. He won the one with inc the incredibly long name, the GP uh, Poggiana, um, took that out. And then it was Jai Hindley, um a few days later, winning the... GP Copadarco, and then Lucas Hamilton finished in fourth there as well. Um, those races both uh, won by Robert Power in the past, um, if that rings a bell. And you know it's pretty, it's a pretty good, pretty good races to win because those Italian races can be really tough. Um, Pat, you were following, following that. I saw your tweet this morning about on the subject. Yeah, well, I've done both races, so I know how hard they are. And um, it's just exciting to see those guys really come on and, and going well at the moment. Obviously, they're going into Tour de l'Avenir soon, um, so it'll be an important process for them to have done well in these events. Um, and they now know their form is good. So uh, heading into those events, we should see Australia doing well there too. And we all know what Tour of l'Avenir uh, means. It's the Tour of the Future. Um, and if they do well in Tour of the Future, then they'll probably see themselves in professional teams in the Peloton late next year. Yeah, and they've all had good tours so f uh, good seasons so far, so it'll be interesting to see. I think probably next year might be a bit too early for, for them because they're all first year um, under-23s over in, in Europe, but we'll see how they go. I know James has a plan for them to go for at least two seasons apiece, so it'll be interesting to see how they end up going there. Um, Shannon, you were going to bring up Loretta Hansen and how she's going at the moment. Yeah, um, she's over in, in Belgium competing at the moment, or Belgium and Holland. Uh, she just did a race against um, Voss and Anna van der Breggen, and she came 7th or 8th, I believe. So um, she's showing really strong form in her preparation for Worlds. She's trying to get selected for the World Championships in Qatar this year. Um, and, yeah, joining her over in in Belgium is Kimberly Wells now too. She's just arrived in the last few days, so it'd be exciting to see those two start some racing and see how they go and, yeah, see if they get on the team for Worlds. Fingers crossed. Well, it's going to be a super strong um, team for Worlds because we've got so many good sprinters over there. I mean, you'd have to say Chloe Hosking has shown that she deserves to be um, the number one option in the sprints over there, but... You've got, you know, as you mentioned, Kimberly Wells, Loretta Hansen, um, Tiffany Cromwell. Um, I'm missing more people here as well. Lauren Kitchen, so, yeah. Lauren Rowney, exactly. Sarah Roy. There's yeah. endless names that you could take to Qatar. So it's it's going to be really hard for the selectors. But, um, yeah, they'll choose the strongest team, no doubt. Okay. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for, thanks for joining us and listening to us ramble along about... Aussie cycling and all, all that involves. Um, yeah, cheers for me. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter follow it by following Breakdown Podcast or you can go online to our website and check out the show notes. I'll put up some of the results that we talked about here and some links to um, MetaRace um, data and all that sort of stuff so you can follow the races um, coming up this weekend. Yep, 
speaking of, follow Breakdown Podcast on Twitter, and we will keep you up to date with all the action because I'll be on site. I'll, I'll be on site doing some live tweeting, so you won't miss a, won't miss a beat of the action if you follow me on there. Okay, uh, thanks for joining us, um, Pat. Personally, no worries, and uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on with uh, Shannon this this time. Yeah, Shannon, your yes. debut. Impressive performance. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, maybe again one day. Okay. Um, well, we'll see you both at Two of King Valley, and good luck for both of you. Okay. That's it from us. Yeah. Bye.